0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. As a farmer's wife, I'm so proud to be sponsored
1: by FarmDrop, the ethical grocer that delivers the farmer's market to your door. Cut out the supermarket with FarmDrop who deliver food direct from over 250 local farmers, makers and bakers. Just like a supermarket, you choose a delivery slot and exactly the items you need. But unlike a supermarket, they source as locally as possible and pay producers properly. If you're in London, Bristol or Bath, visit farmdrop.com. It's a great way to shop, particularly in the build-up to Christmas. Quote the code BACKSTORY to get £25 off your first £50 order and to show your support for this podcast.
2: Hello, I'm Susie Coulson, and welcome to The Backstory. Our contributors this week are Zoe and Emma. Both had the test for Down syndrome during their pregnancy and were classified as low-risk something like 1 in 1200. Despite getting low risk results, both went on to have babies with Down syndrome. They were the 1 in 1 in 1200. So then, what are the chances that Zoe and Emma happened to have their baby boys within months of each other, and that their older children went to the same school, just one class apart? Claire went to meet Zoe and Emma, to hear about their experiences of having their two boys and to understand more about their friendship and how it came about. I just
3: went up, I got some courage,
1: went up and said, um, hi, are you Emma?
3: And she went, yeah.
1: I found it surprising that it was Zoe who made the first approach because she's actually the more shy of the two.
4: Emma appears to be more confident. Here's Emma. I thought she was brave because I thought, I don't know if I would have gone to her and said hello first, and she came to me, and I thought that was really brave. And I remember going home to mum, and mum was like, well, ring her! (laughs) And so I did. (laughs) I meet Emma first. She's a bundle of energy.
1: You can hear this in her fast talking. She has a lovely home covered in photos of her gorgeous boys. And after interviewing her for a little while, Zoe turns up. She takes longer to relax with me. I get the impression her friendship might be harder won. But I often find that friendships that have taken a while to develop are often the most long-lasting and satisfying. So tell me about what the dynamic is between the two of you.
4: So I think I'm the bossy one. Um, You're loud. I'm loud. Yeah, I'm loud, I'm bossy. Um, Organised. Make, I make Zoe do things maybe she doesn't always want to do, but sometimes they're the best things to do. I'm the organiser. Yeah. The problem solver. Yeah. You're the mummy.
3: Yeah. I like to mother. You're the hugger. I'm quiet. Yeah.
4: Uh. You you consider more. So whereas I'm a bit fiery and a bit hot-headed, you're the thinker. So you will analyse the situation and then make me reflect maybe more about things. Because sometimes I can be a bit hot-headed. And so I help Zoe in ways that she needs it and she helps me in other ways. It's a
3: bit like Mason and Eli. They are two different little boys,
1: different personalities. Um... But they get on really well. Not helps and fun. Yeah. Zoe and Emma have been friends for a couple of years. Their boys are now three. So how long did it it take for you to actually sort of, you know, obviously the first time you met, you just kind of probably...
4: You were a bit nervous and a bit shy. I don't know. I don't know how long it took us to be like besties because we literally message all the time. Yeah, it was constant, wasn't it? On WhatsApp,
1: messaging. When they met, Zoe had been suffering from postnatal depression and hadn't ventured out very much with her six-month-old son, Mason. Emma's son, Eli, was a few months older, and she had started to go to groups with him, especially at the Hamlet, which is a local centre for young people with disabilities.
4: As Zoe said, when I first met her, she didn't really want to go out very much. You, weren't an, you liked to stay in, didn't you? Like to yeah. feel secure at home and stuff. So I was like, right, come on, you're coming with me. Now, to understand the need
1: for this friendship, and the utter relief these two must have felt, To have found someone else, living round the corner, who had also had a baby, completely unexpectedly with Down syndrome,
4: we need to hear about
1: life before these two met. Here's Emma. Uh,
4: When I was 20 weeks pregnant, I went for my 20-week scan and they scanned Eli and said that there was something wrong with his heart. So we were referred to the Evelina in London, where they scanned his heart twice Um, it was around Christmas time so it was a very stressful time in between Christmas and New Year actually and um, they said that there was some regurgitation but nothing, you know, no major holes or deformities or anything Um, and the same with the second scan so when they scanned his heart it was smaller than a pound coin and they scanned it for an hour and a half so it's quite tense Emma moved to Norfolk with her husband Chris and
1: eight-year-old son Logan when Emma was 24 weeks pregnant. She left her job as assistant head at a school in Kent and started her pregnancy care in Norwich.
4: So I had a scan when I moved up here, obviously, because transferred. And they said that Eli was measuring small. Um, But Logan was small and we had extra scans with Logan and Chris and I aren't tall, so we kind of were like, oh, well, we're all small in our family. Um, And... Um, then they decided that he wasn't growing. So they were doing measurements and he wasn't growing. So we had to go and have um, ECGs, had to go and have ECGs for him every other day over the Easter period. So we even went on Easter Sunday um, to check that he was, his heart was beating all right um, and that he was moving fine because small babies, they say, have a risk of stillborn, greater risk of stillborn. So what's it like to.
1: You know, we all, we all go through pregnancies and think and like, we you know, every time you go for a scan, you're always scared, aren't you, that something's going to be yeah. not quite right. Like, what was the reality of finding that there might be something wrong? Were you, were you thinking about it all the time?
4: Or? Um, yeah, I was thinking about it all the time because they said if there's any change in your movements, you need to ring delivery straight away. And so obviously you're thinking, what's well, the baby moved? And then when you've got another child and you're busy, you're like, oh, I can't remember the last time it moved. I can't remember the last time the baby moved, but obviously it has moved, but you're just, you just don't think about it. So then that becomes your whole life. Has the baby moved? When was the last time the baby moved? You have to keep a log, um, like a tick chart of how often they move and stuff. And it's just, it's quite, it like takes over your life in a not very positive way. Because although you're pregnant and you want to enjoy it, you have your other child to enjoy and the rest of your life going on at the same time. And it's just not a very nice experience. It's a big worry, a big worry.
1: Zoe, on the other hand, had a completely uneventful pregnancy. Three scans, which were all reported to be normal. She had already had two boys, whom she had given birth to very quickly. So she was expecting a quick birth, but she wasn't expecting it seven weeks before her due date. So she was shocked when she went into labour prematurely. I started bleeding on the Saturday and I thought I'd lost him, which
3: is a big thing. Um, got taken into hospitals over the weekend um, and then went into early labour. Um we then got to the delivery suite with him and I had all the NICU staff all hovering about ready to take him um, and he came really quickly um, and they took him I got to hold him for about five minutes and they had to whisk him away up to the NICU.
1: NICU is the neonatal intensive care
3: unit. And then I was left without my baby which is really tough going.
1: So after a straightforward pregnancy Zoe had been plunged into the unknown with a premature baby. In contrast... Emma's pregnancy continued with a few alarm bells ringing.
4: We went up there once on Dad's birthday. I went to him with my midwife's appointments. That was the 17th of April. And um, she did the little Doppler thing on my belly and she said, no, his heart rate's really, really reduced. You need to go up to delivery. So we went back up again. And um, they that's when they decided that, that I had to go for the ECGs every other day because it kept going up and down and up and down and up and down and they didn't want him to... I suppose, become too distressed or just keep an extra eye on you, don't they?
1: The doctor's main concern seemed to centre around Emma's baby being small. But she took heart in the fact that her older son, Logan, had also measured small, but been born a bonny 7 pound 6 or 33 3 kilograms.
4: Um, then I went for um, another sizing scan and he hadn't grown at all. And they said that his um, femur bones were measuring small. I was like, well, you know, Chris's got short legs. Uh, nobody's picked this up before. Um, and that day they said, oh, we want you to see a different sonographer. So they booked me in for a specialist scan at the NNN. Um, and that was on a Wednesday. So we went, Chris came with me, and it was a really stressful day. <laughs> and it was at something like half past two, and visiting's from two or something. So there was nowhere to park. And, you know, when you're like... So we abandoned the car on the yellow lines, which you're not supposed to do, but I was like, I don't care. (laughs) We need to go in. We need to go in. Um, And we went and saw a doctor and he said, oh, somebody noticed something in one of the scans. They think there's some fluid at the back of the baby's brain. Um, So he spent a long time scanning and that was frightening because we knew then that he was looking for something rather than just scanning to check Eli was okay. He was like there could be something wrong here afterwards he they put us in a side room and I said to Chris that means there's bad news because otherwise they would have told us in the room you can go home (laughs) and they didn't they said right we'll just put you in this room and you can wait Um, and when he came in he said that um, there was excess fluid at the back of Eli's brain um, that there would be a high chance that he would be born with severe disabilities and difficulties that he probably wouldn't survive a natural birth um, and that at that point we were offered a termination that if we didn't want to continue with the pregnancy because the percentage of Eli being born with severe disabilities would be high we could go to a different hospital, I can't actually remember what it was because I think it's a bit of a blur um, and terminate him if we wanted to. And what was the, how how long had you been pregnant at that point? Uh, Thirty-seven weeks, three days. And how did you feel about that? Sick, <laughs> really sick, really really sick. And um, we for us it was you know we're not going to terminate that's our baby. Okay, let's get on with this. It's, it could be horrendous, but it could be fine. Nobody actually knows. You don't know. You think they think this is what they think. Um, and you know when you've carried a baby for that long. And if you're planning for it, you just think, well, how can you do that? We can do that. Back with Zoe,
1: she was also taken into a side room from the NICU where she was with her premature baby, Mason.
3: Um, we were taken into, well, my husband wasn't there at the time. I was taken on my own into a side room and considering my hormones were everywhere. Um, you know, I felt, I felt like I'd let him down anyway because I couldn't carry him full term. I'd gone through the initial shock of thinking I'd lost him, then to having him early, and then having him whisked away and not having that bond with him like you do when you first have a baby. Um, Nothing had gone to plan, and I couldn't stop crying (laughs) initially. I was get blubbering every five minutes. Um, Then taken to a side room, and to be told that they think possibly he has Down syndrome, they can't be sure, because he didn't have... um, uh sometimes you can diagnose baby they have creases in the palms of their hands mason didn't have that um and they couldn't tell because obviously being half chinese um like with his eyes because obviously he was a bit puffed around the eyes as well from being or whether it was being premature that, so they couldn't tell um and then to say they had to do the blood tests um and there was nothing else they really said after that. He did. He didn't really say much. Did we we'll do the blood tests? Then we'll go from there. Um, and that was it. And then he left me in the room crying because I was shocked. I didn't know nothing about Down syndrome. I'd never met any adults. I'd never really met any children with Down syndrome. So I didn't know nothing about it. And I was. I was more scared that oh, he's not going to live until he's a certain age, and I'm going to lose him before I even go. And that's one you. Parents' worst nightmares, and you just all different things go through your head. So I rang my mum, and my mum's going, "No, that ain't right. That ain't right, Zoe. That's not right." And um, then she come up to the hospital to comfort me. And obviously, then I rang. I did ring my husband. Then next, I always go straight for my mum. Steve's one of these people. He does. He 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 just sees. We all just see Mason, but he doesn't. Um, he doesn't like to do anything that involves around. Down syndrome. It doesn't makes him sound bad, but he he wants he just wants to bring him up normally, like he does the other two little boys. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't think about though he helps him with forms. He doesn't want to think about um, like the school and that he needs special help in school. He do, he likes to take just a step back. So um, I had to deal with quite a lot of it on my own, um, which was tough going. And then obviously, then waiting for the results to come in
1: was the hardest week ever. Back with Emma and Chris, they were following their hearts and continuing with Emma's pregnancy despite the offer of a termination at 37 weeks.
4: And so how long after that was it that you gave birth? Two days. Two days. So that was on the Wednesday um, and they planned for a caesarean on the Friday because they said that Eli wouldn't survive a natural birth. So we went to the NNN at seven o'clock in the morning and I'd already been admitted once with tightenings before and they'd monitored and just sent me home now they're just tightenings and then that morning when we went in I said to them when we arrived it's about seven o'clock in the morning and I said oh I've got some tightenings and they said it's because you're stressed because you're anxious and you're worried and I was like mm-hmm. so they gave me some paracetamol and I said to Chris well, I'm still getting some tightenings um there were no beds anywhere no beds at um Luton and Dunstable no beds anywhere for on for Eli and the NICU because when you're going to have a baby, you're pregnant, and they think there might be something wrong with the baby. They're like red sticky or falter, NICU alert and all this jazz. You know, you get all these stickers everywhere. Um, so it was nowhere on the NICU for Eli in case he needed it. They were saying there was no beds for me. Um, and it got to about half past 11. And we were sharing a room with someone because there were no rooms up there. So I was in a room with a lady that was pregnant with twins. Um, I was just on the ECG machine, she was on the ECG machine and I said to Chris, I really don't feel very well. And he said, it's because you're worried, stop worrying so much, you know, they're doing everything they can and we could hear them on the phone, unfortunately, outside saying, no, no there's no rooms there and I was thinking, oh my God, and I didn't want to give birth to Eli, far away from Norfolk, from my mum and my dad and Logan, so that Chris and everybody had to transport and, you know, because we didn't know what was going to be okay and not okay with him and if he would need to spend a long time in hospital, I didn't want to be somewhere far away from everybody that I needed, and that needed me um and it got to yeah about half past 11 i said to her, we don't feel very well and he said like i'll go and get another nurse so we went out and um she looked at the readings on the air she said oh you are having a few tightenings i was
0: thinking yes here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I know I did tell you this about four hours ago. Um, And she said, do you
4: mind if I do an internal examination? And I said, no, that's fine. So she did. And as she did, my waters broke. And Eli was breech. So as my waters broke, because he was so tiny, his leg came out, (laughs) was just hanging there, lovely, Um, and they whisked the other lady pregnant with her twins out of the room, (laughs) they gowned Chris up in all his blue scrubs, and they whisked me down to theatre with Eli, half hanging out, um, yeah, and then I gave birth to him naturally, with no gas and air, Vaginal breach and he did survive a natural birth. And they told me he wouldn't, but he did. (laughs) He's a fighter.
1: Oh, I can't believe the stress Emma went through to have baby Eli. Meanwhile, her soon to be friend Zoe had come to the end of her wait to see if Mason had Down syndrome. My
3: husband was with us with me. We got taken into the side room again, and you can hear see all the nurses their faces you know they've already seen the results they already know and sat us down and said yes it is down syndrome is there anything questions you'd like to ask he answered all my questions he was very lovely um
1: so when you had the news like what did what was your husband's reaction
3: um we both sat there and cried start off with um had a cuddle when the doctor left um then steve Steve did throw himself into re- research, bought a book just to read people's different stories to give to me and um, where well, I just cried a little and then just tried to forget about it and just get on with things because obviously I was trying to deal with I was in hospital with him and I was trying to deal with um, more medical like his feeding, trying to get him to feed and getting him to bed and um, worrying about his heart scans and that sort of stuff where Steve went away and I um, just wanted to do some research, just to help clear his head a little bit and to
1: make more sense of it. Emma's baby, Eli, who was born at 37 weeks and two days, weighed 5 pounds six or 2.44 kilograms. He was 60 grams too light to be discharged straight away, but he didn't have to stay in intensive care. Whilst we obviously now know he had Down syndrome, Emma didn't know at the time. At about midnight, they took Eli over to scan his head to see if he did have excess fluid at the back of his brain, which they had seen on a previous scan before he was born.
4: That was very scary. Um, that was very cold. I remember being really, really cold, um, really cold. But I think that was shock. Um, they wheeled him across and he had a paediatrician called Priya. She was really lovely. Um, she scanned all his brain, spent absolutely ages and ages. It was about an hour, I think. Um, And she said that he did not have excess fluid at the back of his brain. And while we were there, she says, Oh, does Eli look like your other son when he was born? And I thought, you obviously think he doesn't because you've asked me that question. And I said, oh, I don't know, (laughs) thinking I can't remember that long ago. And it was all a bit of a shock and a blur then. Um, And she said, he has some of. We think he has some of the features of Down syndrome, and we'd like to do a test. And so then they take bloods. Uh, the only way to diagnose it is with a blood test, and that takes five days. So they take bloods and you wait for five days to find out whether
1: they do or they don't. Despite Emma's tricky pregnancy, no one had ever suggested that Eli might have Down syndrome, but now it was being flagged up by the doctors, and so like Zoe. Emma also had to wait five days to find out the results of a blood test to see if Eli had Down syndrome.
4: I stayed in hospital for four days with Eli. Um, And obviously Chris came in and out, mum and dad came in and out, my sister came in and out, Logan came in and out. Um, And in that time, I had convinced myself that he did have it. Um, I googled, never Google, Google is not your friend, don't Google. But I did Google. Because so when you're alone in hospital, you Google. Um, and there were things like um, children with Down syndrome don't always cry. And Eli was not a crier. It's very quiet. Um, they find feeding hard. Eli found feeding hard. Um, they sleep a lot. Eli slept a lot. I think Chris being away from the hospital and away from us had convinced himself that he didn't have it. Um
1: Whereas I thought he did. Finally, the news came through. Um,
4: When they phoned, that was um, the most that I've ever seen Chris cry. Uh, But I think that's because he really didn't think that he had it. And so he he wasn't prepared for it. Whereas I was like, I think he's got it. I think he has Down syndrome. And so then I, I wasn't so shocked. I was like, oh, yeah, I was waiting for that. Whereas Chris was like, I wasn't expecting that. Um, So it was hard. We, I think we were sad because we blamed ourselves maybe because we didn't know, we didn't know anybody with Down syndrome. We didn't really know anything about Down syndrome. Um, And at that time, we had been so pleased that he was here. And then we felt that maybe we'd done something wrong. We were naive at that point, I think.
1: I often thought about being told that my child had Down syndrome when I was pregnant. I think a lot of us do. I can imagine when you first find out, it's such a shock. You have to find a slightly new philosophy for bringing up your child. And that is exactly what Emma and Zoe have done. Which is why they're the kind of people I would want to meet and chat to if I had been told my baby was expected to have Down syndrome, or was unexpectedly born with it. In these scenarios, I think you need to be educated and informed and find a good way forward.
4: I think at the beginning, we probably painted the worst-case scenario in our own heads. Um, So he won't do this and he won't do that and he won't do this and he won't do that. And now we're not naive anymore and we are informed and we have Eli and we've met other children with Down syndrome and other grown-ups with Down syndrome. Um, We're like, he'll do anything he wants to do. And we'll do it with him. So, you know, you just, I think you have a momentary, oh my goodness me, this has completely changed our world. And it did change our world, but having another child changes anybody's world. When you go from a family to three, to a family of four, your life changes anyway. So, you know, it just changed for us slightly differently, but that's our life. Having
1: met Emma and Zoe, both together and separately, I think this can-do philosophy that they share for the boys has almost grown stronger by them both believing in it and encouraging each other to act on it. Emma explained to me the slight
4: difference in the new friendships she began to make after having Eli. Sometimes I think if you are a parent that has a child with additional needs, you have a different relationship with other parents with additional needs because they just understand sometimes your feelings more, or, you know, like you've had to cancel because your child's poorly again, or you're really tired so you're cancelling. Do you know what I mean? They're, They're slightly... Not more understanding, but they just understand without you having to explain things. They don't They don't want you, you don't need to justify everything. They're just like, okay, it's fine. Whereas other people, sometimes you feel like, I need to say, well, I can't do it because you know, Eli's got a cold and he's really snotty. Whereas if I said to somebody with a child with additional needs, I can't make it, they'd be like, oh, okay. And they wouldn't even, I wouldn't even need an answer. And I wouldn't even need to tell them why. They'd just be like, okay, fine. <laughs> and that's it.
1: <laughs> Zoe has also felt this.
4: I feel like you have made sort of
1: deeper kind of friendships with some people, like, than, you know, than I might have done it like, some sort of random music class or something. Like, there's that def- there's a second level, isn't there? Of sort yeah. Of understanding, as it were, like, that, you, yeah. I yeah. mean,
3: some of the mums, you're not, you know, you, I'm not like me, how me and Emma. Me and Emma, are, like, joint at the hip, but we're really, really close. Friendships, like, with some of the mums at the Hamlet Centre, you just seem like you're on the same understanding and on the same level, and though you can say hi and bye or you like running in the door and running out again, they'll still be there for you to meet for coffee. Well, I, fi- I find if like when my other two were growing up and we've gone to groups, sometimes it's really hard to click with with mums. Mums get really competitive about certain things. And I, I think I tried to kind of took a step back. I didn't want that friendship. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Both Emma and Zoe have had some surprising reactions to their little boys. And when people have reacted
4: unkindly, they've turned to each other for support. Lots of people were sad. Oh, sorry to hear your news. Why? I just had a baby. Please don't be sorry for me. Um, we got some cards with messages in that echoed that. Um, I didn't keep those ones, actually. You know when you have a baby and you keep all your new baby cards? I didn't keep those ones, funnily enough. Zoe
1: has had some similar reactions. Out and about, I've had I've had a couple of instances where I've had.
3: Um, I was in a shop and I had this woman follow me around the shop. She kept looking at him when we were going around the shop. And I got to the till and she was like, "Oh, is that yours? Is that yours?" Yes, yeah, he's mine. And she's like, oh, um, how old is it?" Uh, he's six months old. <sighs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, my cousin's got Down syndrome. I was like, oh, lovely. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just you don't expect someone to sort how how old is it? And uh, <laughs> I've got one of them. <laughs> like, like he's a, a possession or something. Um uh, there's other thing, like people come, oh or you go, this is my son Mason, and they go, Oh, he's lovely. I'm so sorry. About what? What are you sorry about? Do I look like I'm crying? <laughs> I'm out and about having a nice day with my son, and you're telling me you're sorry. So what are you sorry about? I don't understand. But I, so I think I've, I've, I've got tougher. It's where people say stuff, or they upset me. I go, "What are you sorry for? Can you just tell me what you're sorry for?" Or I'll put them on the spot and make them feel uncomfortable, and then they're like, "Oh, oh," and make them think. So I think in future, if they do approach someone they'll go,
1: oh, actually, maybe I shouldn't say that. Zoe was feeling particularly vulnerable when she met Emma, who definitely helped her to engage in the early days. And she'd already been going to
3: groups. where well, I hadn't been going to groups. I didn't feel like I could. And she pushed me to go to groups and meet different people.
4: And so we sort of relied on each other as like a wingman kind of thing, weren't we? We yeah. were each other's wingmen so that you knew there was somebody there to look after you or to give you a smile if you needed one because sometimes it is hard doing new stuff you know when you've yeah. got a new baby to go to any new mummy groups tricky new new and people. difficult to walk in the room where everybody already knows each other and you're like hello i'm the newbie um so just sometimes having you yeah, somebody with you is nicer yeah. easier
3: so if not I, I wouldn't be where i am now i wouldn't have half the friends that i've got or or know about half the stuff that i know about if it wasn't for emma so I'm not one for soppy stuff. No, she's not. I'm sorry. She's, yeah, she's,
4: she's not She's not a soppy cow, I am, but she's
1: not. But this friendship isn't one sided, as Zoe explains. She's human at the end of the day. Um, I, I know sometimes Emma puts
3: on, um, she could put on a front, she put that smile on, she put that mask on, and like we all do, and then sometimes that mask can slip. Um, Emma, I find um, when that mask slips, um, I don't hear from her for a little while. And I'm, oh, that's not like Emma. I've not heard from her today and I message her and you get a quite short, not in a nasty way, but she'll quite short text back or message back and you think, something's wrong with Emma. And um, I always like to leave her and then I'll I'll then, I'll message her or ring her and or will arrange to meet up for coffee and then you find out that she was feeling a bit low and that sort of thing. I think we all just have days like that. Things get to you, your form
1: filling in, your negativity, you know. It is as hard I started this recording thinking that Emma and Zoe were obviously friends because they'd had a very similar experience of finding out that their children had Down syndrome after they had been born and they both had to learn a lot and face the reactions of other people and then that wonderful feeling that there was someone else really locally who just got it and who had been struggling a bit too and together they could go to groups and activities and it would always be more fun with a wingman. But I was surprised to find... It
4: perhaps wasn't only that. We met because the boys have Down syndrome, but that's not why we're friends. No. We're friends because we're like two peas in a pod. We think about things the same way, we act the same way, we like the same things. And so I think it was fate that we met because the boys had Down syndrome, but we would probably would have found each other anyway. We don't talk about the boys much. No, not really. No. <laughs> We talk about what we're going to eat and where we're going to go. Cake. and What cake to eat. What we watched on telly yeah. last night or Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't spend our lives talking about the boys. No. You know, it's like when you go out, you know if you um, you see it on the telly sometimes and people who, who are in a couple, they, they go out for a child-free night and all they do is talk about their children, you know. That's not what we do. So, like, when me and Zoe are together, I think everybody just thinks that all we talk about is Eli Mason. But actually, when we're together, we probably talk about them less than... When we're apart, we probably message about the boys more like, oh my goodness, like I'll message Zoe, oh my goodness, Eli was up 600 times last night. And Zoe messaged me yesterday and put, I don't know what Mason did at preschool yesterday, but there's glitter in his poo. He's sparkling (laughs) like a unicorn. (laughs) He's sparkling like a unicorn. So we probably message about them. And then when we're together, we just talk about everything, you know, life in general, like you would do with any friend.
1: Yeah. So yes, Zoe and Emma made friends because of their children, but it certainly isn't the only thing they have in common. It was just the beginning of their friendship. A bit like, yeah, their children, Mason and Eli, have Down syndrome. And it was a big deal at the beginning.
2: But more importantly, they're boys like anyone else's little boys. Our thanks to Zoe and Emma. Have you ever made a surprising friendship with someone? Do you have a formula? Or are there any real deal breakers for you? We're especially interested in parent friendships. Do you feel like you've been thrown together with a slightly random group of people or have you maybe made some friends for life through your kids? Please let us know and hopefully we can feature your comments in Backchat, released this Friday, when we'll be talking about friendship in all its guises. Do get in touch. We are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at The Backstory Pod on Twitter. Join us on Tuesday, the 19th of December for episode eight. We'll be finding out what happened to Lottie when the birth of her daughter and what came afterwards left her certain that she wouldn't want to have another baby.
1: Thanks again to our sponsors, Farmdrop. Go and check out their glorious website, farmdrop.com and quote the code BACKSTORY to get £25 off your first £50 order and to show your support for this podcast.
3: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part?